delivering high-quality, technology-centric podcasts around the world. This is MunchTech.tv, taking a bite out of technology. Hello, welcome to episode 517 of the Two Techies for Saturday, October 17th, 2020. This is the show where we talk about the week's most notable technology stories in round an hour or less with Aaron Fisher and myself, Jimmy Bunting. We come together once a week to discuss, debate, converse, scrutinise and explore the world of tech. I've done for just under 11 years. This week, everything Apple announced at their high-speed event and MPs question whether artists are paid fairly for streaming music. It's very strange, because we always talk about on this show uh, the, the British government and their, um, shall we say, incompatibility with technology. Is that a fair statement, Darren? I was going to go with incompetency, but you're more politically correct. <laughs> I'm staying politically correct, yeah? Touché. That's, yeah. Uh, they have asked a question that actually, one, makes sense, and two, might have some, some actual ground to it. Might actually be a reasonable question to ask. Whether artists are paid fairly for streaming music. Whether their royalties are proportionate in comparison to what other companies make off their production. And they didn't really, maybe this is just a reflect, or a, as a result of the terribly put campaign about retraining in the last week or two that they put out and they re- they, they kind of shot themselves in the foot there, didn't they? Oh, that was, <laughs> that was dreadful. Wasn't there a, uh, I, I don't know if you saw it, uh, didn't Spitting Image make fun of that? Oh, With yeah, yeah. Idris Elba, that was pretty, that was very funny. Yeah. Um, I, to be honest, I, I completely get that, that, that what they were trying to say. I just think they went about it in the wrong way. Also, who do you know, bearing in mind we've been around technology forever and we've worked in technology, who do you know who works in cyber? <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> have you ever known yes. an IT person to go, yes, I work in cyber? <laughs> I, I think we have just proven what, what I said at the start. Um, well, you said incompetence, I said incompatibility. I think that that, yeah. I'm going to change my job title on my email tomorrow morning and it's going to be work in uh, cyber? Yeah, Aaron Fisher I don't know, works in cyber or just we've got, got, got to come up with something witty to, uh, to change that job title to. Cyber. <coughs> Whoa. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> you didn't know what I was going to say. No, you, 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 you guessed it. I didn't say anything. I didn't have to say anything. Funny, that w- the, the cyber title would work well for you because you genuinely do work in cyber. Exactly. That's what I mean. I work in cyber. I don't know what that means, but apparently I do. Are you chief cyber or? Uh, no, just one of the lowly cybers. It's like, no. uh, I think the first thing I thought of, and I think the first thing many people thought of when they heard of that is Cybermen from Doctor Who. You want us to all turn into bad guys? <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, 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 wait. You're working cyber, but isn't making websites is just dragging and dropping things over on Squarespace or WordPress, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally. Wix. Uh, you Wix. draw in 
Photoshop or in InDesign, obviously those are both web design applications, or MS Paint, whatever design package you want. And then you just uh, you save it out as a JPEG and that's all I do is I put that on the web. I, I take that JPEG and I'm, I'm, I make it do things. Do you just upload it to the page and then that... I just, I, I make it pop. Can you just make you... it pop? <laughs> Uh, yeah, that you, you, yeah. I'm laughing because I know the backstory. I'm uh, often so glad that uh, the design team I I appreciate, or the design team I work with, they uh, they come up with some really great stuff. Um, and I do not envy the fact that that is g- a genuine statement that has been said to them. And I imagine something from many clients, um, something along similar lines, gets said probably every uh, website or print or or advertisement or whatever they do. I can imagine a lot of clients are uh, are like that. To some clients' credit, they uh, I do love it when a client comes along, knows exactly what they want, knows exactly how to describe it to you. Um, but yeah, make it pop. Just just make it. Pop. I don't know what the I don't know what you need. To, I don't know what you need to change, but just it just needs to pop. Okay. Fascinating. It really is fascinating. Humans. So yes, Aaron is chief cyber. No, lowly cyber, and he peasant cyber uses what you see is what you get. Web editors all day every day to make. Websites. Spread it. Spread it round. And then he puts a fancy title on it. True. I am <laughs> I am I work in cyber. I used to be a ballerina. Um is that what the ad was? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> just uh, uh, I mean dear. in all in all seriousness though, we joke about it. Just the tone deaf. I think we spoke about this last week, but just the tone deafness of, of that whole uh, campaign's messaging is just unbelievable. Like mm. how many stages did that get through? And did no one at any point go, This may come off not how we want it to. Bearing in mind with, I'm with you in the, I understand what they were getting at. I think everyone understands what they were getting at. I don't agree with what they were getting at, necessarily. No, because, yeah, so what, well, in fact I'm not even going to say what I think or what could have been but right now in this situation we all need to be very versatile and flexible and be aware that that, that everything is a little bit fluid and that's fine. And and in 2020 forget coronavirus but just in life in general I think you need to be prepared and be flexible and be adaptable and be ready for anything but mm, illegitimizing or calling out someone's career because it's not necessarily doing so well right now because of a, a pandemic isn't and telling them potentially i'm not saying is what the case was but telling them that they, they should go and do something else um okay you might be trying to be helpful to ensure that they have some sort of job stability at the moment. I don't even think it was that. I think it was just the way they put it and, and how they... I'm not saying they did attack or didn't. I'm trying to be diplomatic here. I don't know if it's going to work. But essentially, it, it was it was on, on an industry at that point. It was more the arts but, they were looking at. As I would say, putting it really bluntly, politicians told people that work in the arts get a real job. Right, right okay. I was trying to avoid saying something well, no, along those lines. But, that's, not what but yes. I, that's not what I'm saying, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course. But like that's it, essentially it came off as as politicians saying that, which is just like a whole irony behind it. Because well, the irony was yeah, because the the, the the campaign itself, <laughs> the number of arts related jobs and industries that that one campaign would have went through, it's <laughs> just <laughs> you know. So you had uh, photographer, you had a um, typewriter, you had a, a, a model. You had, uh, I can't list them all off the top of my head, but there was at least 10 or 11 that could or would have been responsible for that campaign. And yeah, it's, 
uh, yeah, it, it wasn't good. I'll say that. How did we get here? We got there from Cyber, yeah? It's because the Apple event was so good and we have so much to talk about from that event that we're clearly not filling time. I Am I sensing sarcasm? I think that's how, that's how it's going. <laughs> I think that's sarcasm. Uh, we will discuss the Apple event, their high speed event. Uh, we'll also discuss, as we said, MPs asking the question, are artists paid fairly for their productions on streaming services for their music, for their content? Before that, however, we'll go to the quick news. Ofcom is set to investigate why BT is quoting some people thousands of pounds to get broadband connections. It follows legislation to introduce a universal service obligation, giving homes and businesses the right to progress broadband with speeds of at least 10 megabits per second. BT's job is to assess the costs of providing a connection. It said that it strongly disagrees with Ofcom's assessment of our delivery of the USO. Mike Hooper lives in Cumbria. Whilst getting currently 4 megabytes per second broadband speeds, he told the BBC that he was quoted a quote of £152,000 to provide fibre broadband to his home and five neighbouring properties. Another person living in South Cheshire, only two and a half miles from the telephone exchange, told the BBC that they were quoted £133,000. It will become illegal for anyone to pick up and use their mobile phone whilst driving under new legislation to be enacted next year. The change will end a loophole that can allow drivers to escape the punishment for using a handheld phone to take a photo or play a game. Mobiles will still be able to be used to pay for drive-through takeaways and drivers will still be able to use devices hands-free under the plans. The Department for Transport said at present, making phone calls and sending text messages are banned whilst driving. Ministers have rejected calls to also ban the use of hands-free function, for example, using a sat-nav in a phone cradle. Mandatory Windows 10 updates aren't new, but the latest example is raising a few hackles. A number of online publications and users are reporting that Windows 10 is forced restarting PCs to install links to Office web page apps that launch in Edge, including in the Start menu. And despite initial reports, this isn't limited to just insider members. People using standard Windows 10 releases have seen the change as well. The apps take up no storage or the resources. Until now, though, installing Office web apps was optional. Windows isn't asking for your permission, let alone informing you of what's about to happen. Microsoft is potentially disrupting work or other important tasks promote its online productivity suite. And finally, British Airways has been fined £20 million by the Information Commissioner's Office for a data breach which affected more than 400,000 customers. The breach took place in 2018 and affected both personal and credit card data. The fine's considerably smaller than the £183 million that the ICO originally said it intended to issue back in 2019. It said the economic impact of COVID-19 had been taken into account. However, it is still the largest penalty issued by the ICO to date. The incident took place when BA systems were compromised by attackers and then modified to harvest customers' details as they were input. (laughs) 
I don't see what the problem is. £152,000 to provide Viber broadband to a person's home in five neighbouring properties, divided by the six of them. What, 25000 each, somewhere around there? Bargain. Uh, come on. Absolute to bargain. To get speeds that are advertised that you probably won't get anyway. Seems legit. 133000 for one person. Two and a half miles from the exchange. Even if it required extreme roadworks and digging up and laying fibre, that seems a little bit expensive, right? Uh, it's just, I mean, I imagine for BT to start laying new lines and whatnot, it is an expensive undertaking for them. You think of the just sheer man-hours they probably have to put into things like planning and permits and this and that and the other, let alone before they even start digging the road up. Um, and I don't think 133 and £152,000, they are obviously inflated, but I imagine they're a pretty reasonable margin on top of like the realistic price. I just don't agree with that price being passed on to the customer, especially when we're in an age of, I mean, we've been talking about it for, for 10 years now. Mm-hmm. Every year it seems to come up that whatever government is in power at the moment is broadband for everyone. We're going to get broadband for everyone. And then it's like, we're going to do it, but you're going to pay for it. Well, that's not right. <laughs> um, yeah. Admittedly, this is, we're not talking about the government with these uh, fees. We're specifically talking about BT. I imagine Virgin Media probably quote very similar as well. Um, so it's good to see Ofcom investigating. Don't know what exactly is going to happen because if, if, if BT, BT are probably just going to turn around and go, well, look at this quote. This is what it costs. Um, and I imagine for BT, unless someone else is willing to pick up the tab, i.e. the government, then what are they going to do? They're not going to lose money just connecting five people to the internet, are they? So it's unless they are grossly overinflating the quote, which may be a, a genuine thing, um, I, I kind of see BT side a little bit, whilst I don't agree with it, and I think it is ludicrous pricing. You'd, I think we do have to see that <laughs> from a business point of view, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense if that is the actual number. Also, well, it, it must be in relation to fibre to the home, right? Because I assume these houses have a copper connection of some sort for a telephone line, you would think. Yeah, well, it does read that they already get a whole whopping four megabits per second, which yeah. um, I can imagine is uh, if the whole connection is copper or whatever, that that might be what they're getting. Bearing in mind, like, if you, I mean, if you're getting four megabits per second to your house via a wire, I guess switching to something like a 4G broadband connection or something probably isn't viable either. Um, what you need is 5G. I've heard that's all the rage. Um, <laughs> Apple. <clears throat> but um, yeah, I, it's, I'd love to see uh, like the genuine cost break down. I'd love to see how much it actually costs. And I'd love to see what uh, the likes of Virgin Media would quote for a similar thing. Because bearing in mind, like BT are more than happy to dig up the road in most towns and in most villages anyway, uh, no cost to the end consumer or no direct cost to the uh, the end consumer. So it doesn't make sense why, why you all of a sudden have to go, yeah, we're going to pass the cost on to you this time. But anyway. The thing is, and it, it gets quite sticky and complex. Well, in, well, so the reason I said, is it fiber to the home is because it can cost a couple of thousand just to get fiber through a driveway if it's a long enough you know windy driveway or whatever to get it through however there was a complete scandal whereby well i say scandal uh, um loophole we will call it whereby if i said to you OpenReach, what company is OpenReach? bt isn't it uh, yeah, correct correct <laughs> however bt aren't stupid so there were 
stories last year were by you, the customer, signed the contract with BT to get fiber to the home or to get a service put in. And BT's estimated service delivery time was uh, three weeks. And sale of goods, sale of services. More recently, the Consumer Rights Act, which we spoke about a few weeks ago, there are service level agreements which would be in place. And you would sign the contract, you would sign the plan. But here's the thing, BT and OpenReach are okay. Pretty much the exact same company, but legally they're not. So legally, BT contracts OpenReach to do its work. And so when it took OpenReach 5, 6, 12 months to actually put in the fibre or to do the contractual work which was agreed, and the customer started complaining and threatening BT with legal action, BT just said, it's not our fault, it's OpenReach and we've contracted them. And they got away with it. Brilliant, eh? Brilliant. They, yeah. These companies know what they're doing. That's, that's the end of it. And there was really very little that could be done. Even though, even though everyone, everyone knew, fine, rightly, it, it wasn't a question of whether, well, really, do BT own OpenReach or do OpenReach own BT? Or is there even an agreement? Or is, is there even a partnership there? Everyone knew there was. Legally on paper, there wasn't. So... There you go. Speaking of loopholes, uh, one in the United Kingdom, which kind of not allowed, but but meant people couldn't be penalised if they were using their phone to quote take a photo or play a game, which is just really ridiculous. And um, that's to to be patched essentially at long last. I really do not have any time for those who decide to put their lives at risk by using a mobile phone when driving. Uh, we all know how very quickly something can go from very safe to very dangerous on the road and not saying it's because of the person behind the wheel, it can just be a situation they're put in and so it really is paramount that you're just paying attention at all times and in fact, if you look at any KSI report, or I say any but really I'm, I'm thinking of, of my own local ones but killed or seriously injured reports in terms of road traffic collisions, the most common causation is inattention. Inattention is the number one causation for people being killed or seriously injured on the road. Inattention, followed by um, lack of ability or skill to handle the situation. But inattention, I mean, we can fix lack of skill or ability, we, you, we can train, we can improve, but it's really not difficult to improve it in, in attention. You just pay more attention, you just don't get distracted. It's, it's not difficult. It's very easy to get distracted, but it's also very easy to stay and, and pay attention and, and not let something like a mobile phone distract you. We, we, can fix, we can fix skill, but we can't fix stupid. Couldn't have said it better. I mean, I know you're exactly the same. There is probably, actually, there's probably nothing higher. Using or seeing people use their phone in any capacity is one of the many things, but one of the top things that absolutely boils my blood when I'm out driving. And it infuriates me because when I see someone doing it, whether it be someone blatantly, you know, with their phone up to the ear, I see a lot of people like holding it in front of them, like on hands free, but actually still one hand on the wheel and holding it in front of them. Whatever it is these people just i don't know if they don't think i mean it's clear that they don't think but they must know it's wrong but they're clearly happy with putting everyone around them lives at risk you know they clearly don't think they're going to be caught or they clearly don't care or whatever it is um because these are also the first people that if they saw a police car come the other way they'd like drop the phone you know they're not going to do it when there's a police car around like these people are just some of the worst human beings on the road drunk driving or drug driving 
something or driving under the influence of anything is probably, you know, that's the only thing that I think is uh, on the same tier. Like these people who either get in a vehicle knowing they're not fit to operate a two-ton killing machine or these people who think it's fine to be distracted playing Candy Crush at 70 miles an hour in a two-ton killing machine is beyond me. Bearing in mind, actually, I say two-ton, the people who do this are the people who buy stupid SUVs. So it's like four-ton killing machines, we'll say. Um, as you can tell, blood boiling. I'm in rant mode. I'm sorry. I Yeah, look, no one no one goes out to have an accident and, and no one goes out to harm others. At least you'd like to think so. So when someone does it, yeah, they're really not thinking because they're not thinking about the actual, the long-term picture. And there's potentially a case of complacency and invincibility thinking, well, it's not going to happen to me. I'm skilled. I'm, I, I'm, I'm perfectly fine. And that's not a query of skill. You, you could be very skilled at driving or controlling a vehicle, reading the road ahead, purring, being, reading the road well. That That's not the question. But here's the thing. If you're sitting right now, um, focus on an object, F- focus on, some, look at something and try and look at something else, but keep focused on that one object you're looking at. So if you have your mobile phone, look at your mobile phone. And, and obviously not if you're driving, please don't do it if you're driving. That would defeat the point of the, the demonstration. But look at your phone if you're sitting or standing stationary. It's safe to do so. Now try and look at something else, but stay focused on the phone. Your eyes aren't focusing on the something else they're staying focused on your phone. Okay, look at the something else and try and look at your phone. So the something else is emulating you driving. You're paying attention to the road ahead and you're trying to look at your phone right now and I'm looking at a monitor and my phone's to the right. I can see my phone, but I can't read anything. I can't actually disseminate what's on the screen at the minute because I'm focusing on the screen, the, the monitor, not the, the mobile phone screen. So I'll, I'll switch back to my phone and now I can't read what's on the monitor screen. So as much as I have a peripheral vision of it, I'm not focusing on it and something could be changing on the monitor while I'm looking at the phone and I won't see it and vice versa and that's how easy it is to regardless of how good you think you are um, your your eyes can only focus on one thing at a time fact it doesn't matter it, it's just not possible to have a mobile phone and operate it safely whilst safely operating a car it can't think, be done I think this also kind of speaks partly to my wider concern of the way interior designing cars is going these days I know we've spoken oh, yeah, about it on the yeah. show before but I am every time I watch a, a YouTube or a tech reviewer or, or whatever dote over or review a Tesla in any way and you know like because that car's the second coming obviously um, and obviously the Tesla being known for its sparse interior with like a single big we'll call it iPad because that's what everyone refers to it in the middle of car and that's basically everything that's got your dis- that's got your speed um, you know any lights or anything are shown on there um, if you want to turn on lights or wipers in a menu on there. Bearing in mind in traditional cars, most of this is, or all of this, is in front of you. It's as close to your you have to dip your eyesight by a very minimal amount to see key pieces of information in most cars. If you have to see your current speed, you have to drop your eyes for a fraction of a second and it's very obvious. Um, you don't have to go looking over to your left, turning your head, finding it on a display. Yeah. Um, and when it comes to things like wipers and lights and fog lights or whatever, I appreciate a lot of it automated but there are still situations where you know you take our cars for example we've we've got automated lights and automated wipers but i don't know about you but i find myself not on a frequent occasion but the automatic wiper or the automatic light you're judging it a little differently you go actually i think the lights do need to be on or actually the wipers need to be on a faster speed or whatever this is like you're, you're having to interact um with these switches and there with the lights and wipers and whatever you don't even have to move your eyes yeah. you just 
exist. You know where they are. They are within reach. You don't e- you don't even have to take your fingers off the wheel most of the time. Um, yeah. It's just like changing your indicator or whatever. And that frustrates me when I'm seeing car designers push so much towards this. Oh, we'll just minimalize everything, get rid of <laughs> switches and whatnot. And I appreciate that switches are a failure point. They're a wear item, whatever. But it's like you're actually encouraging someone to take their eyes off the road, stare at a screen and like try and find the wiper settings or the, or the headlight settings. And that's just bananas to me. I, I, I think it's nice when I see a traditional car company, let's say. Um, you look at the latest Honda E. It's an electric car. It's clearly a, like a futuristic car. But Honda know that everything, you know, you know, the most common controls should be on switches or your heater, your climate controls or your, your lights and wipers and whatnot. They should actually be on physical, tactile, touchy-feely buttons. Um, drives me nuts when one of the cars in the family we have, we put an aftermarket touchscreen radio in and it doesn't have any physical dial for the volume control. There is a steering wheel control, but imagine not having anything. And if you wanted to adjust the volume, you've got to find this tiny little plus or minus button on the touchscreen and, and go up and down. Whereas any uh, any older car, any other car, you just feel for the radio and you can just crank up the volume or crank down the volume really quickly, especially in an emergency situation or whatnot. You know, if you're trying to listen for something on the road, you crank the volume down. I've done that on a numerous occasions. Having to try and find a little touchscreen button or whatever just seems bananas to me. So I think I, I love the idea that we're we're pushing forwards and banning more and more use of mobile phones. Obviously, as more cases or more scenarios come up, the law has to then work around them. And I think it's great that we're being a little bit reactive, but kind of proactive to uh, to doing that. I just think someone needs to look at if we're banning the use of picking up your mobile phone, how is like staring at a touchscreen any different? Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I don't know about you, Aaron, but cars which have screens, sat-nav screens, which require a touch interface are normally very poorly thought out. And I can say that because my own car has it myself. Uh, and I'm just, I, I just don't like it because as you say, even with muscle memory, even with that knowing where everything is, it's just not not intuitive for, for road use. And I hate to say it, you might hate me for saying it too. BMW and their iDrive system is miles better than other manufacturers and their offerings, which which require just touch. I hate to say it, but it, it is. It's it's not only safer, easier to use, requires less um, eye away from the road time. Uh, I mean, you you really shouldn't the, be 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 modifying or touching things when you're driving anyway. That's another debate. But but we'll not the, talk you know that that theory. But but realistically, and that's because there is a tactility to it. There's a, an input and then a button and. Then a push and a press. It's not just reach over and and look at the screen and press and push. Um, there is one slight problem with that though. Oh, here we go. You're going to offend you may all be BMW safer. Owners. You may be safer in the vehicle, but for everyone around the vehicle, when they see the front of your new 2020 BMW 3 Series <laughs> that they announced this week, they are going to literally dive off the road and into a hedge because of how hideously ugly <laughs> that grill is. It's going to cause more accidents for other people. And here we were having I love a logical. BMW. I love BMW's great. My favorite. Uh, brilliant. But you know what I mean. Um, yeah, I do. I, 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 I agree with you. Too. I agree with um, you. I think yeah. um, BMW, I think a few car manufacturers have a similar joystick operated uh, interface. And I, I agree with you. I think that's um, something that you can eyes forward um, and you can you can tactically um, work through. Now, I don't I don't think operating through a screen um, is a particularly good way of doing things for, uh, let's say, what do you want to say, primary car controls. Yeah. So I think even, no, even no. if you take an 
iDrive system, and I appreciate BMW don't do this, but if you took the iDrive system and then said, oh, your headlights and your wipers are now in that system, that's not yeah, a good thing. that's terrible, yeah. The iDrive system, because you still have to look at the screen, whereas obviously everything is improved if it if it's a ta- like eyes on the road and it's a tactile feedback thing. Switching on your lights, you don't have to take your eyes off the road. Turning yeah. up the radio, don't have to uh, I, take your eyes off the road. Um, I think I think but, in that example, so so the iDrive system is is purely entertainment, infotainment, and and maps. So the functions, i.e., lights, wipers, radio, to some extent, uh, climate. There's a lot of it still tactile button input type effect, which I think is a happy medium. Whereas the manufacturers, <laughs> Tesla, who just put everything on it behind a screen, that is just insane. Especially climate and um, and other functions of the cars. You're just saying, Aaron, it it just it's not good. And I don't know whether it's a case of well, no, it's not because this this isn't anything new. No, I was I was going to say it's a case of we we were just discovering this. Obviously, car manufacturers have put it in. They've realized, oh, this is bad, and now they're going to take it out. Next generation cars. No, it's not just new because this has been out for at least ten years, if not longer. Um, in fact, no, it has been out for longer. Touch screens which have everything built in. They're just not safe. They're, they're not safe. And research has 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 proven that. So yeah, it, it, t- t- long long story short. If if you're not paying full attention to the road ahead when you're driving, you shouldn't be driving. Simple as. Uh, Microsoft Windows 10 updates. Um, there's nothing new here really, but I, I mean they're they're really pushing the boat out. Force restarting PCs to install links to Office web apps that launch in Edge. That's that's the annoying thing, though, isn't it? It's like we've always or everyone's always harped on about uh, Windows does what it wants when it wants. Um, more often than not, you do to its credit, you do get a chance to say not now, not now, not now, not now, and people click that so many times that then it just goes, <laughs> you know what, I'm gonna restart, and that's when people <laughs> yell about it. Um, but this is this is Windows 10 apparently just upping and restarting in the middle of the day to not. I mean, maybe it's installing updates i don't know but the the, the primary stories that those updates are either to in or to install or they do include advertisements let's not be around the bush and let's call it what it is it's advertisements bearing in mind the thing that blows my mind is windows is an operating system that you pay for so this feels a little crummy like a windows license still isn't that cheap so i don't understand why microsoft are sitting here going yeah we need to cram advertisements in there because it's free os well it wasn't everyone paid for it and they should have the right to be left alone um stop changing people's stuff after they've bought it there are laws against this you know there are laws yeah primarily i think it surrounds car sales but i see it makes sense for a lot of things like a company can't change something after it's been purchased fundamentally um microsoft shouldn't be allowed to do that they shouldn't be allowed to just um cram advertisements down everyone's throats just on a whim whilst little timmy was in the middle of writing his homework in word or something it's just oh it's so irritating Microsoft have such a good product that it's just so irritating that like Windows 10 took so many steps forward that like it took a massive step backwards when it comes to privacy and advertising. It's just a nightmare. You tell Sachin Adela. Yeah, he's definitely he's listening. listening, isn't he? He's listening. Don't worry, Tim and Apple are going to get the same treatment in a minute. <laughs> 20 million pounds for British Airways supposedly failed or neglected to protect 400,000 customers' data, which I would agree with. They did. Um, I believe. Originally, £183 million, but the ICO thought better of it given COVID, which, to be fair, I think is the right thing to do because at the same time, there are livelihoods on the line here with with every company at the moment. No business. There are very few businesses that are prospering right now through this whole situation. So I think really that I can get behind that. It's still a very heavy fine. It's still makes a prime example that this isn't okay and and hopefully it will make british airways realize that they need to take further steps 
to secure customer data. Yeah, I'm right with on. you. I'm right. going to go and get a cup of coffee or something for the next uh, 50, 60, 90 minutes, and I will leave you uh, to to talk about Apple. I I was just Shout sorry. I was just I was just going to add something to the uh, BA story. Um, I don't know if it, I don't think we included in the quick news, but I was reading the article. I believe um, they were storing the data in plain text as well. So I think mm-hmm. uh, whilst we need to feel a little bit sorry for them and you know livelihoods get it you know 20 million dollars doesn't seem like enough for the damage that causes 20 20 million pounds and i i do agree but i don't think the the general staff who have a livelihood should be penalized for the inadequacies of of the business they're working for there's yeah there's kind of an ethical issue there this year is a weird year i i'm with you i just obviously this stuff needs to be uh needs to be fined heavily enough to to make companies go you know what we're not gonna do that yeah Uh, i think i think 20 million pounds yeah i I think that will yeah bearing in mind ba have like minus money at the moment um but anyway sorry apple yeah i'm 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 just going to go and grab a coffee chillax for a while and i will see you on the other side enjoy now i'm gonna i'm gonna keep you involved (laughs) to start with did you watch the event no you i i am so envious that you kept that hour of your life um Also, just to just to say something that we didn't get an ARM Mac, we didn't get anything like that um, nope. at all. And I'm now hearing rumors that uh, there's going to be an event next month as well. It's like I get it. You don't have to organize a physical presence, so you can just it's it's literally just pressing play on a pre-recorded video. Like I get it. It's way cheaper, but can we not have an event once a month? I'd quite like that. I'd quite like one event, not three. Um, but yeah, boy. Boy, that was just it certainly was an event some would even go as far to say as an event did happen on tuesday um i i was kind of going into it i think we we set up some pretty decent expectations last week we were like come on our max and like all the surprises because we just flat out didn't care about the iphone um which i think was a lot of people's feeling going into it the iphone is what it is it, it's going to be good it's going to be an evolution on last year's like woo yay um but it's the products that surround that are the more interesting ones obviously at the iphone event in years gone by you don't tend to have two events um in quick succession in september and october apple traditionally do one event and that would be the ipad and or the ipad watch and iphone event so normally there's there's more to talk about but today or sorry this event they started off talking about the home pod and this is the most interesting thing that came out of the keynote by far uh, the introduction of the home pod mini they actually undercut like massively on price to what i thought they were going to do when they were going through the really epic set by the way i don't know if that set was like cgi cobbled together of other sets or how that if they or if they actually built that sound stage or whatever um i don't know how they did it but it was super cool how they did uh um the set and how they did the transitions um was really really cool i think the production value on this event was i think whilst the event was dreadful the production value was top notch which is just i mean that's just apple isn't it um but whilst they were talking through the home pod mini i was thinking uh it's going to be 150 160 dollars you know that typical apple aren't going to come in and try and compete with uh the echo or, or the google a home or anything like that. I thought there was still going to be a cut above in pricing, but no, under a hundred dollars for a HomePod Mini. Um, still has all the same limitations as before, so don't expect to, aside from AirPlay, be playing Spotify or the likes on there. They did say that I believe Amazon Music is coming to it, um, which is an interesting one. Um, obviously, Google, Amazon, and Apple getting a little bit friendly at the moment, especially when it comes to things like smart home integration. Obviously, they're all part of that kind of open 
source or, or, or that, that smart home group together now. And um, Apple Music has been turning up on the Echo devices and Google Home, I think. So I think it was only a matter of time before we started to see or started to see the opposite. But other than that, it's basically a smaller HomePod for cheaper, still with no Spotify. So it's like, it's still, it's an interesting price. I bet it sounds great. I bet it looks great. Um, I did have a chuckle when they said it's powered by the uh, world-class uh, assistant Siri. No one thinks of Siri as world-class. No one thinks of Siri at all. Um, Siri is more in the way than of use half the time, um, which is funny because I think Apple kind of, I don't know if it was a dig or like they, they slipped it in there. They're like, Siri was the first. And it's like, yeah, so it should be the best, but it's not. And it's not even close, um, which I find they did that WWDC as well when they were talking about the improvements to Siri in iOS. They were going, oh, Siri is, you know, X percent more accurate than last year and whatnot. Um, when Because they improve Siri in the back end all the time. And it has got less worse, um, but it's certainly not something to be uh, to be touting at an event um so the only other thing we got which was massively disappointing is they introduced um i, I believe it's like 830 different iphone 12s i think count so that's what it that's that's what it felt like <laughs> sorry Bear- sorry you, you just you, you bored me to sleep boring me about the boring event sorry <laughs> exactly bearing in mind you you are a potential iphone 12 customer um, yeah. If I said to you there are four different versions, all of which are different, would you know which one to go for? That, that's the problem. And, and this is the thing. I, I am actually quite hesitant because no, no, I don't. And and that is that, that is what stopped me from pressing buy on the pre-release or even just buying it now or when it comes out. I, I don't know. I genuinely, I don't like the... Because the thing is, I don't just buy a phone when it comes out. No, we, we talked about this last week. I don't think... We talked about how consumerism is changing. Was that last week or the week before? I don't know. They all merge week. into one. Um, but consumerism is changing. Usage is changing. Our perspective, our buying patterns are changing because the products are changing and the cost is changing, as is the technology. So it's not... You know, from and we said this last week, from generation one to generation two, or you know, from from say generation ten to eleven, for example, i.e., one iteration up, the, the technology is not massively hugely different. So we don't need to upgrade all the time, nor do we want to, or not all of us. And so I really don't mind if my phone makes phone calls. I can browse the web, send emails, send messages, and take some good photos. That's fine. That's more than enough. And that is what my seven plus has allowed me to do for the last four and a bit years. For five minutes, and before it needs charging. Well, that's the problem. So not the battery is starting to show its age even though it's replaced in 2018 so the the question is do i do i hang on to it for a bit longer and put a new battery in it or do i really just say right go for a 12 and and that was my plan my plan was thinking oh, probably is time and and the difference because between the 7 plus and the 11 was quite significant so the difference between the 7 plus and the 12 will be yet again even more significant to some extent but i i went for the 7 plus when it came out because it was bigger it was well, yeah, it was the best that you could get, and I, I'm not saying that no, I need the best and blah blah blah, and anyone who has less isn't getting you know a good product and so on. It's just because I knew for a fact I wouldn't be upgrading it year on year, so I might as well get a really good one or as good as I could get, so that it lasted as long as it could and stayed as as good as as it could for as long as it could. I'm just not sure I I want to pay that money for a replaceable product though right now, given that I I just I, something just doesn't sit right, and even at that I I don't know which one to go for i and, and i don't mean that i know everything about technology because i don't no one does no one knows everything about everything but i would like to think after t- 
talking about technology for 10 years, week on, week on, week on, week, week on, week, week on, week on, week on, week off, whatever. <laughs> for talking about technology for quite a while, I would have at least some rough idea of what the offerings would have and what they would do. But I'm, I'm just getting, I am genuinely just getting confused now. Also, I think just uh, just your screen size comment, bearing in mind that the iPhone 12 mini, which is the smallest and cheapest one of the four. Yeah, I know, I know. The screen is 0.1 of an inch smaller than the 7 Plus. So yeah. I think anything is... Uh, you don't need to go get the. I mean, the the Max is. I think they all t- uh, they all change slightly in screen size, and the Max is like six point six point seven inches. It's barely smaller than the iPad Mini. Like <laughs> that is insane. So I think one of my biggest gripes this year, added to the list, one of my biggest gripes with Apple is that, as you alluded to, we've we've often spoken about um, this just like weird. The iPhone used to be simple. It used to like you'd essentially in a pre-COVID world you'd essentially be able to go into a store and go I'd like an iPhone please great how many gigabytes do you want that was as difficult as it got yeah whereas what now color? it's like it, it, well there wasn't a color problem either at the beginning don't forget well um, white or black but yeah no the the first one came in one color oh, okay yes um, but you know I mean sort of yeah sorry yep continue <laughs> you know uh, it. yeah and then when the six came out obviously we had the two sizes and it was essentially a simple choice or so we thought at first bearing in mind i don't specifically remember with the six and success but i believe it was the same story as with the seven Do you remember between the seven and the seven plus there are some actual differences in the device the cameras are slightly different um aside from the fact that the seven plus has two cameras but i believe believe the camera had was it like improved stabilization and a better aperture or something like that yeah. over the smaller model so there was actually like there was a decision to be made there and it yeah, wasn't, and it wasn't p- just based on the size of it yeah exactly it wasn't just do you want the bigger screen or the smaller screen i think one of the things we praised apple for in more recent times so i think they started it when the 8 came out and then obviously the i believe 10 10s were the same story as well is like from what i remember is the phone was maybe aside from battery capacity which just comes with a bigger screen other than that it was do you want a big screen or a small screen as difficult as it got um and the 11 introduced what became that's when they first introduced the pro phone so you had the 11 which is the one i've got which is the cheapest flagship phone i guess you you can say it's not the cheapest because the se still exists don't forget um so it's the cheapest current phone you could buy from apple um and it does have some feature differences to the pro pro obviously costs like a start at two or three hundred pounds more. The I'm talking the eleven here. Um, and then you could go all the way up to the Pro Max, which was the biggest one. And I thought three was like, wow, that's pushing it because it's three plus the SE plus the older generations. So for them to, to turn up at this event and have four iPhones is like four current iPhones plus the SE plus the they're still selling. So if you go to the iPhone page, um, you've got iPhone 12 Pro, iPhone 12, iPhone SE, iPhone 11, and iPhone 10R the ones they're going to continue selling like oh boy um this is insane um and there are fundamental differences across the line now in the iphone 12 like i'm not talking small camera differences like it's like big things that are different all of a sudden um between the 12 the 12 pro and then between the two versions of the 12 pro it's just like this is bananas like if you walk into an apple store again post covid and go i'd like an iphone if you're just joe public going i want to upgrade my iphone they're gonna have to sit with you 
for eight hours where you try and work out which one you want. Yeah. Um, and like I'm just scrolling through their pages and it's like every other thing seems to have, by the way, it's got 5G. By the way, it's got 5G. By the way, it's got 5G. Because, oh boy, was that another thing in the event that annoyed everyone so much. It just felt like a Verizon ad with Tim Cook just awkwardly in between. Um, it was so terrible. Um, I, I think... I think it, um, <laughs> jinx. <laughs> Do go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to say, I, I think the iPhone 12, both of them, I, uh, you know, to probably not harp on Apple, if you just look at them as technology, I think they're great phones. They're not an upgrade, really, from the 11. I think if you're on the 11 or 11 Pro, then it, this isn't your year. But yeah. I think if you're on probably like the 10 or below, maybe even the 10 is pushing it. This is an upgrade. Um... I like the fact that they've now gone to a consistent design with the iPad Pro, so with the squared off edges, or with the iPad Air as well, I think. Um, or all iPads. I forget what they're doing now. Um, so the squared off design, I think, is really nice. Um, this is like the first year in history that the camera bump didn't get bigger. Um, I like the stuff they've done with the camera. I think that's really nice. I think it's really cool to get night mode across all of the cameras. I'm saying this. I don't know which version of the phone this is on. I don't know if this is on all of them or just the pros um i think that was really nice um 5g is yeah whatever um their marketing just bothers me a little bit now i know apple have always been a little bit uh let's say flamboyant with names do you remember when johnny i called i think it was the 5c unapologetically plastic he would never let that live that uh, live that down <laughs> um the, the display on this one is called the super retina xdr display oh boy apple are running out of adjectives <laughs> yeah, just say running out yeah. yeah nouns and verbs at this it's just uh, it's it's such a shame because I think this was such a nice this is such a nice iPhone it's an upgrade it's like a like an incremental upgrade it's not like life changing or revolutionary but it's a good phone I think it's just been it's just marred by the fact that there's four iPhones which to me is ridiculous the event just fell off with the whole how many times can they say 5G within a single sentence Um, I don't know just didn't really feel right I'd love to go and try one of these post-COVID. Um, and I bet the reviews will be glamorous for them. There's going to be a lot of videos talking about how do you decide which one you should buy. Um, Apple did a big push on not just 5G, but they were doing, talking about being able to shoot in like Dolby Vision or something. Uh, and it's just like, no general consumer gives up flying monkeys about that type of stuff. Um, like, if you talk to my mum and she needed an iPhone, she wouldn't even know what you mean by that. She just wants to know, does it take good video on default settings you know not oh I have to tweak this and tweak that and change this setting and do this and do that it's just like can I open it up press record and it takes a good video um, put Dolby Vision in there that, that's great put all that in there but like I get it's for pros and whatnot but it was like such a big feature to harp on about but for something that so little people I think are not going to use or care about I don't know what the right word is but like it's not going to be a selling point I think to a lot of people um, really interesting though I think the, like the one interesting thing I think for me is MagSafe. The MagSafe name has made a comeback and it's probably in the last device we thought it would actually make it come back in. Um, it's in the iPhone. And this most excites me because one of my biggest issues with these newer iPhones is we're such big fans of magnetic. Do you have a magnetic car mount? Yeah. Yeah. Which obviously you can't use with the new phone because of wireless charging. Um, so you have to come up with like all this fancy way of trying to mount your phone. You have to go back to the old kind of style of actually clipping it in. Um, whereas MagSafe now allows, I think Belkin have already shown one off. They can create car holders 
numbers that that are directly attached to the back of the phone, which I think is uh, which is really cool. To answer your question about what iPhone, probably realistically, and I I I I made the same decision when I bought the seven, the seven plus would probably be the twelve Pro, not the Max, just the Pro. Why? For the though? only reason that pardon? Why? What 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 makes you go Pro over the normal iPhone twelve? Um, slightly better battery life. Uh, the optical zoom is better. Not that I'm really ultimately too worried about it, um, but it has a few cooler things. So I think what the, the the Pro has the the lidar scanner for night mode, portraits, the, the quote faster autofocus, um, so on and so forth um, in low light. Um, you, you know what? The, the probably the only thing really is is the camera. But at the end of the day, isn't it the you, same camera just without the lidar sensor though? Well, sorry, with the lidar sensor. Uh, no, no. Oh, the see, Twelve this... only has two lenses. The the Pro has three. Oh yeah, but it's the same camera. It's the um, like it's the same with my, my iPhone 11. I don't have that third lens. Yeah. Also, going from the iPhone 7, to, uh, the 7 Plus to the 11, made me realize how stupid the uh, zoom in. Like I never used that stupid zoom in feature. Like having the wide angle is way more useful. Yeah. Um, I think it would just be because it justifies the the fact of upgrading a bit more. Yes, you spend more, but I, my intention is to keep it for a long period of time. So. Let's see, iPhone 12, 128 gigs, 849 pounds. They bumped the price up again. That annoys well, me so much. Yeah, you're looking at, at basically a thousand pounds for the Pro at 100, at, at the why, lowest why size. Why did the iPhone 12 go up? Gig. iPhone 12, 12 starts at 799. A thousand pounds for 128 gigs. That feels like a kick in the nut to me. <laughs> Yeah. Also, that thousand pounds doesn't get you a charger or headphones. Nope. nope, it doesn't. Hey. I love it. Apple are like environment, 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 because everyone's got chargers. By the way, we're changing the charging model to USB C. <laughs> cool, fantastic. <laughs> Christ, yeah. come on. Seems Apple. like a, a a profit bumping exercise, doesn't it? I'll give credit where it's due. They did reduce the price and increase the wattage of the uh, USB C charger that you can buy. Mm. So that's something. <laughs> but um, it's just like if you wanted to do. I'm all for. I I I applaud them for the thinner boxes. Um, you know, it is it is obviously a reducing waste. I think that's great. You know, how many of us just leave this stuff in the box? We take the phone out and leave everything else essentially. Yeah. Um, I think that's fantastic. Don't do it the same year you change the cable in the box, though. Come <laughs> on. Like, yeah. if you would have, if you if you're doing this now for the last version or the last two versions, they should have been including a USB C based charger to justify. I think removing it now, like. It just, I don't know. That just, it seems a little short-sighted to me. Um, well, it's not short-sighted. No, it's it's it, it's perfectly executed. It sorry, means people have to purchase dollar signs um, in the eyes, isn't it? Yeah, they're not silly. They're not silly. Will I be purchasing it right away? No, I'm I'm in a rush. Okay, yes, I I'm aware my battery life isn't great. Um, but I I really don't see the need. I, Apple's marketing doesn't win me over anymore and, oh, I need to buy that. In fact, it never did. Um, I completely appreciate Apple products and I, I still I still prefer them over the other alternatives. And again, I always say this, that's not me saying one's better than the other. It's purely what I prefer and what works for me. And it may be the, the complete opposite for someone else. But at the same time, if it's still working for me, I don't need to replace it with something new just for the sake that it's new. And, and whilst I know my next phone will be an iPhone, I, I'm not querying that when and what one is still up for debate it just i've recently recently um just become so angry at how much we're having to pay like over the competition and like and how much apple are just going eh, 
let's just see how much we can increase it before um, riots <laughs> in the streets start. Like, we recently in this house, we got a Pixel 4a in, which is Google's budget phone. It's like 300 quid or something. If this thing is better than the iPhone, like our iPhones, like it's got an OLED display, it's thin, it's really fast, it's got a great battery life, it's got Touch ID. Like, I know it runs Android, but like stock Android is, is a beautiful OS now. It's not iOS. Yeah. And that's what makes me so angry that we're having to pay two and a half times the cost to get the equivalent set of features. And I know Apple's A series chips blow the Snapdragon away, but I'm talking everything else. Like, well, Google out no. here putting a OLED display in it in their 300 pound phone, whereas but, Apple are like making it sound like a privilege that they've put it in the iPhone 12. But it's just Aaron, like, come on. Aaron, it's a Super Retina XDR display. Sorry, yeah, I forgot about sorry, that. Sorry, 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 sorry. It's a super innovative, revolutionary Super Retina XDR display. Next year, it's going to be the Super Duper Retina XDR display. <laughs> like, but do you, you see yeah. what I'm getting at? Like, it's just, oh, yeah, 100%. It's yeah. so yeah. frustrating. Like, I was, um, <laughs> I was looking at replacing my, where I still am looking at replacing my PC for playing games on. My PC's, you know, I built that thing five, six years ago. It pretty much holds up well today. Um, but it's starting to, like, in, in, it needs a few new things. Um, and obviously with the PC, I could just, oh, I'm going to upgrade the graphics card. I'm going to upgrade the CPU, whatever. I was just looking up. If I wanted, like, a MySpec PC, let's say, um, that the frequent the frequency that I, I I turn this thing on justifies the price, and I managed to get a machine that was way better spec than the new iMac for like a thousand pounds. I think it was like twelve hundred pounds when you included a twenty seven inch display. It wasn't a four K display. I would say that or five K display, obviously. But like it just and it had like three times as much memory, like way better graphics card, you know, way more cores than the CPU, and it just like it leaves you going, man, we truly are being much off in the Apple ecosystem, like obviously willing to pay for it to get macOS over Windows, no competition. But you do kind of sit there on our side of the fence, going like you're pretty jealous of the other side um, mm. of how much they can or how much they don't have to pay for the amazing specs they can get. Admittedly, runs Windows, but if you took that out in the equation, we're properly getting mugged off. macOS isn't free; it costs like fifteen hundred pounds in your device, apparently. Right? You know what? We've we've spoken about Apple enough. We we get the point. They release nice iPhone. Did you know it has 5G? Uh, no, I don't. Yeah. Uh, Verizon should get on that. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. Um, finishing, off, finishing us off for the day, for this week's episode, MPs to investigate whether artists are paid fairly for streaming music. It's now a major source of income for the record industry. It's generating over £1 billion per year, or at least it, it did last year. But many artists say that the payments they receive are negligible, and this has been the problem all along. DCMS committee chair Julian Knight MP said the growth of the streaming market, quote, cannot come at the expense of talented and lesser known artists. It's kind of a double-edged sword, Aaron, because I don't know about you, but streaming, and I'll say it, Spotify, has introduced me to so many good artists that I would not have learned about otherwise. So, yeah. in a way, those artists have have, have gained a, 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 a follower or following based on that discovery element. But I don't know whether or not they receive the money they should because I don't know what they receive. So, it, it, it really is... Like, I, 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 don't, I don't want to say it, I but, and I could be completely wrong here, so it, it's not me stating a fact, it's 
is just stating a hypothesis. Could it be said that the smaller artists actually sometimes benefit from streaming, whereas the bigger ones don't? But then they do because they get that the bigger artists would get a bigger following. I guess the question think- isn't that. The question isn't about about what that. The question is. Do you do they get paid fairly for their content on the service? Forget the the reasons why they get certain payments and how they get paid and so on and so forth. Just the general question at this point in time: Do they get paid fairly? Probably um, not. probably not. Although I think there is a a void, like you said, between smaller artists and bigger artists. The one thing I would say is bigger artists, yes, bigger following, but often they have a huge label behind them, taking a huge portion of the small amount of money that they do get. Yeah. Um, so that probably needs to be looked at uh, if you if we want to start anywhere. But uh, obviously, I, I, the the rise of of streaming, Spotify, Apple Music, whatever, has I think given rise to independent artists or smaller artists not having to go via a label or be signed via a label. Um, I think YouTube also obviously did a big big amount of work for that. It allowed uh, content creators or uh, talking specifically in the music realm here, content creators to to be their own label, publish their own music, which I think. Was such a big revelation um not having to be signed to any kind of label or 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 any you know major label or whatever Um, it's such a big thing now and that's something that that really um has only come about i think you didn't have to be signed to put stuff on itunes back in the day i can't remember um but it obviously helped being signed to a label whereas i think for the advent of youtube and whatnot uh, it's, it's such a big thing i i also i don't think they're paid enough but i also don't think they can currently be paid more um unless there was some kind of I don't know buy the song option or I, I don't know how you do it because if if a, if a stream of a song only gives like let's say a penny I know it's way less than that but let's say it gives a penny um your Spotify well, yeah, so, so, sorry sorry just just to, to keep it factually correct um because we don't report fake news I'm joking but but yeah just reading so Spotify is believed to pay between not point not not two and not point not not three pence per stream Apple Music Music pays not point not not five nine. YouTube pays the least not point not 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 five two or not point not five pence per stream. Hmm. I, I I was I was just gonna say. Um. Obviously, the subscription that you and I pay is ten pounds a month. Um. If we stream, I don't know how many songs do you think you stream in a month? Dread you, to think. Actually, hang on. I can go to my Last FM profile. Thank God for old technology. <laughs> Find out. Last FM the uh reports is riveting. And on top of that, just while you you do your investigative work, there are. Often the recording artist will only receive about 13% of the revenue with labels and publishers keeping the rest. Uh, In May this year, violinist Tasman Little said she received just £12.34 for millions of streams over six months, while electronic artist John Hopkins once claimed to have made £8 for 90,000 plays on Spotify. I mean, I guess if that is the case, then this campaign called Hashtag Broken Record kind of does have some backbone because... Because if you think about it, 90,000 plays before streaming was a lot of money. So, yeah. Any of the wiser, Aaron? Uh, in the last 30 days, I have... Bearing in mind, this isn't just Spotify anymore. I have played 3,682 songs, an average of 122 a day. Um, I think I spoke about this on the show. Like A big move I've been doing this year is I've been buying loads of CDs. Um, bearing in mind, <laughs> Vinyls, probably got rid of all cassettes. my... What's that, sorry? Vinyls, cassettes. You know, I mean, I I totally stood in a record store with you in Birmingham in January while you looked at vinyls, and that record is on my wall, I believe. I think I 
Um, yeah. No, but I, so specifically with CDs, bearing in mind like five years ago, I probably got rid of all my CDs. So this is a bit of a buyback operation. I've basically been doing every album that I love or listen to frequent on Spotify. I've gone on to Music Magpie, which is like a secondhand music serv- uh, secondhand service, I guess, um, in the UK. And I've bought the album, the CD copy of the album. And then I've ripped it into iTunes because ripping the CD, I rip at lossless. Um, so you get the high, more decent fidelity uh, music. And I've also purchased some high fidelity or uh, CD quality songs as well from a service online. Um, so like singles that never got a CD release and things like that. Um, and bearing in mind, like CDs on Music Magpie, uh, you know, they can be a pound or two pounds. Like you can buy quite a lot um, for cheaper. And I appreciate that is not helping the artist at this point because it's on the second hand market. But what I have been doing over the past two, three years is um, any new album that's coming out that I I know I'm gonna like. I pre-order the CD. Um, if I'm really gonna like it, I pre-order the vinyl, the CD, more stuff to help support the artist. Um, so I've got a bunch of CDs that have come out in the past two, three years, and I listen to them on Spotify all the time. Don't get me wrong; that's probably where they get their most plays. Um, more so on iTunes now, probably, but as a way of supporting the artist, and often the artist will give something extra. So, like a few of these CDs are signed copies and things like that. Um, so they're not just a CD version. You're actually getting something for it. But I've started to understand, or I I think appreciate more that I think trying to support the artist in any way is is good for music that you listen to frequently, or music that you really like, or an artist you like, or whatever. But on the flip side of that, I'm 100% with you. There are so many artists that I have discovered or rediscovered, in fact, through being able to stream whatever I want, whenever I want on the likes of Spotify. Um, But I think it's then, at the moment, for me, it's taking that next step and going, you know, actually I do want an offline copy of this music or I do want to support the artist or, or whatever it may be. Totally. I, I mean, you, you say the steps you're taking in, in, in case of, because you have an interest, you have a vetted interest, you want to have the CDs for various reasons because that, that you're into that, but most people aren't. And and that's the thing. Most most people are just listening or, or paying that one monthly subscription fee and using that for their entire music fix, so to speak. And the question's been asked of people, of those who are, are streaming, um, would they support a rise in monthly subscription fees? The majority of people, 69%, said they wouldn't. Half of them changed their mind, however, and said they would be willing to pay more if the subscription went directly to the music or musicians that they listen to. The Musicians Union has also argued that some streaming revenue should go to backing musicians who receive no royalties under the current system, which is just crazy. Backing musicians would usually pay the small upfront fee for playing on a track, but it's often royalty payments that keep them going. Dreaming doesn't pay any royalties to these musicians, but we argue that it should. If services seek to cannibalise other listening media such as radio, then they should pay an equivalent royalty. So as well as the issue of pay, MPs will investigate how playlists and algorithms distort the music market, and whether new music is being strangled by the dominance of big names like Egg Sheeran, Ariana Grande and Drake, just to name a few. The committee will also consider whether the UK needs an equivalent to the EU's copyright directive, which states services like YouTube could be held responsible if their users upload copyright protected movies and music. This is where it could get dangerous. Answering the inquiry, Mr. Knight said, quote, algorithms might benefit platforms in maximising income from streaming, but they are a blunt tool to operate in a creative industry with emerging talent, risking feeling the first hurdle. 
We're asking whether the business model used by major streaming platforms are fair to the writers and performers who provide the material. Longer term, we're looking at whether the econo- or economic sorry, of streaming could, in future, limit the range of artists and music we're all able to enjoy today. That concerns me, because at the start, I, I was all for it. I thought, well... Well, yeah, this this does need to be looked into because we know that streaming services probably don't pay uh, enough in royalties to those who, who have their content on the service, who, those who make the streaming services possible. But at the same time, it's the very algorithms that they're potentially going to berate that actually help a lot of smaller artists. No? You know, yeah. I like listening to XYZ, you you would like this person. That's exactly how people have gotten g- g- discovered, no? Yeah, I think... Uh, or am I missing something? I, I think the curated playlists and whatnot in uh, streaming services is such a killer feature killer in a good way um i think uh i mean i i dread to think how much music i have discovered through that and probably how much i've actually gone on to buy on cd and, and try and support the artist actually to be fair yeah so what you're saying is people should be, just be like you are well you know a model citizen over here <laughs> <laughs> to be fair i think my uh I, I i talk about my purchasing of this stuff to try and help the artist obviously like so much of it is bought on the second hand market i think my primary use is because i want an offline copy there have actually been a few situations like where where our um our internet went out for like an hour or two like a couple of weeks ago i think and it's like i was a bit stuffed with spotify at that point so i just like stuffed on my itunes playlist which you but, know has thousands of songs that i've taken from the cds but can um, you not can you not just download the playlist offline yeah i could do that but i've downloaded so much you, of it you're offline. you're a cyber aaron come on you are I a work cyber. In cyber also you Sp- spotify quality is uh, noticeably worse than CD quality. Oh, he's done it. He's an audiophile. He's done Sorry, it. Uh, do I need to sign up to Tidal? That sounds like I need to sign up to Tidal. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. We will follow this. Ultimately, we'll see where it goes. Um, we've, we've spoken about this before. It is a thing. And it's something that he's looked into. I just hope, I, I just hope our point that at the very start of the show isn't proven that the government and technology are incompatible or, as Aaron said, in competent that brings us to the end of 517 as always thank you so much for taking the time to join us find more episodes on over at munchtech.tv if you're listening on your mobile device munchtech.tv forward slash mobile for our newsletter munchtech.tv forward slash newsletter our ultimate guide to podcasting munchtech.tv forward slash ultimate podcast guide and last but not least we spoke about apple in good and bad ways for the uh, our interview with the co-founder of Apple Computing Pioneer and Engineering Genius munchtech.tv forward slash was once again thank you so much for listening for joining have a great safe enjoyable week and we'll see you next week on episode 518 bye 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 bye